0: We did a real shitty job on the pros and cons on that episode. We listed exactly three total pros for Bitcoin.
1: <laughs> was number one, it's Bitcoin. That's, that's a yeah. pro. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Kareem Baruch, and I'm here with my co-host and friends, Brent Philbin, the singer extraordinaire, of course, and Michael Lockie. Good morning, gentlemen. All right. So today's topic is kind of a big one. We're traveling back to the past and actually bringing things back to the present. Get it, guys? We're covering Bitcoin again. The first time we covered this coin, we were a young group of guys that didn't really know anything. And now we're Wait, a young group change? of guys that don't know anything, but I've had a podcast for you. So, <laughs> uh, Brent, this is this is kind of your baby a little bit. Tell, tell us why you think that this needs to be revisited.
0: Well, Bitcoin needs to be revisited because it's the daddy and a lot of things have happened over the course of a year. But also our opinions have changed and I thought – Maybe it would be interesting to go through these 101 episodes, listen to them and very specifically talk about what we think we got wrong, what we think we got right and update into the new format, especially with Bitcoin. We didn't have this format down like we do now with now that we're 40, 50 101s in or whatever we are. We, it was a lot more loosey goosey. Real shitty transitions. I mean, it's not a good episode. I, I don't want anybody going back and listening to the Bitcoin 101 and thinking like they've got a great show to listen to. So so this is the 102 version and we're going to try, you know, we're not going to rehash everything from that episode. So I guess you kind of do have to listen to that episode if you want to get the full picture on Bitcoin. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm not proud look,
1: of it. Look at the master promoter over there, increasing downloads every which way. <laughs> Go watch the prequel, ladies and gentlemen. Mike, what do you think about going into this episode, Recovering Bitcoin? How has your perspective changed over time?
2: I think this episode has been super necessary. And and I know Brent's been pushing for it a little more than I had overall. But I think my opinion personally has changed very dramatically. And I think the entire space has changed very dramatically since we recorded this episode. So anything that we're saying from this day forward, I think, is going to be different than when this episode was recorded. Hmm.
1: Okay. So let's get right into Big Daddy Bitcoin. And one of the things that we usually start with when we do one of these one-on-ones is we say, what is the company's vision? Now, of course, Bitcoin is not a company per se, but Brett, compare and contrast then and now.
0: So we got that right. So if you listen to our vision, Kareem went over the vision. The quick version is Satoshi Nakamoto, the anonymous pseudonym, had a vision for a peer-to-peer Uh, payment system that was not controlled by any government and was completely decentralized. That still remains true today. That vision will not change for Bitcoin because Satoshi disappeared. He gave up. Now, the the Bitcoin miners can make changes to the code, but in the end, the vision will always have remained the same no matter what actually happens. However, we did say some funny things. Uh, We said in the company's vision, we said, Bitcoin is losing dominance, and maybe it will be replaced soon. Hmm. Well, yeah, that didn't work out so well. That was maybe back when it was at around 35% dominance. Now it's at like 55-ish. I'm not exactly sure, but we were completely wrong on that.
1: Well, we didn't all think that Bitcoin (laughs) was going to be replaced any minute now, but uh, continue.
2: (laughs) That was definitely Brent's hot take. I was probably somewhere in the middle, and I felt like Kareem was uh, thinking that we were overreacting
0: as usual. Nope. So I listened to the whole episode, and Mike, you were not in the middle. You were like fully on board with this uh, Bitcoin toppling movement. Kareem was keeping us in check, but... Was also (laughs) seeing our point of view and not like saying we were wrong uh, until the very end of the episode. So it was
1: (laughs) (laughs) when I flat out said that's not going (laughs) to happen.
0: So, yeah, it was a it was a hot take. And we knew that at the time. And what we were seeing was Bitcoin's – Honestly, what I saw at the time was Bitcoin's inability to to fix itself
2: the way that it has over a longer period of time, right? When we saw the the roadblocks such as the transaction fees, I still don't fully understand all the nuances of mining – and dis- this distributed system. But from a more educated perspective, it there are many problems that are going to arise, including, you know, an overabundance of transactions in a short period of time. But those solutions become easier and easier as time goes by. As more people are putting brainpower into solving these issues, the other types of problems are going to be taken care
1: of. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, in a big part, the Some of the points that you guys were making, I think, are still relevant. And this might be a case of, as a rule of thumb, we tend to overestimate change in the short run, and we tend to underestimate change in the long run. And here, a lot of the things that you talked about, Bitcoin becoming overtaken maybe by other projects as their utility grows and many, many more projects, like something like Ethereum can hypothetically have a much larger cap than just Bitcoin. But the time that it takes for something like that to play out and the things that have to happen is just really long. So maybe it will still come to pass. You know, I don't think that there's reason to believe that in 2022 and 23 and 24, it's just always going to be Bitcoin's the largest market cap coin when there's other coins doing all kinds of things, right? But in the short term, the dominance that Bitcoin has attained is not going to be easily overtaken.
0: Yep, I can can totally agree with that statement. Uh, We were young, dumb (laughs) and broke. Uh, High school kids, so
1: (laughs) high school was last year. Now
0: we're just more broke
1: because (laughs) (laughs) I was actually
2: was I was not very broke when this episode was recorded, (laughs) not nearly where I am now.
1: Uh, Living that uh, crypto baller life. So Brent, you brought up high school. So let's go back to history class. What (laughs) did we get wrong or right? I mean, let's go right into it. The history of the coin is usually the next chapter.
0: Uh, We did great on the history because you found that (laughs) section. So you went over, you talked about everything from the cypherpunks to the original white paper to Alan Turing. You mentioned the the Imitation Game movie and uh, everything. So... Uh, the only thing as far as the history of the coin, we discussed the Mt. Gox situation, which was Mt. Gox exchange basically stole all the money. And the only thing we didn't mention at the time that I did and I found out later was that Roger Veer was at the time he was super Bitcoin, like there was no Bitcoin cash. And he went to Mt. Gox headquarters and told the world, I saw everything. Don't worry. All the money's there. They're fine. And kept people using them longer than they should have because there was already a lot of mm-hmm. worry that things were going wrong there. And uh, he deserves some flack for that. It's so, almost
1: like a large percentage of his net worth was in Bitcoin. And he yeah. thought that Mt. Gox crashing would crash Bitcoin. Imagine that. People acting exactly on their own self-interest.
2: <laughs> I actually just realized a an acquaintance of mine was a victim of the Mount Gox crash, and I, I haven't spoken to this person directly, but I just found out through a mutual friend of ours that he and that friend of mine both had money on Mount Gox when it went down. So maybe I'm going to get an interview with a particularly interesting person. I'm, I'm not. It's not relevant right now who it is, but it, I think that
0: interview could be really interesting. Hopefully they know to get their get their claim against that bankruptcy because it I I haven't talked to him about it yet and I don't I didn't get a chance to
2: relook up those details. I remember we there was some kind of claim process. Yeah. It was in Japan, right? Yep.
1: Well, I, I do have to use my power series to bring us back in. If you've been injured by the Mount Gox hack, please remember to call the offices of Michael Lockie at CryptoBasic gmail dot com. Anyway, It's uh, not we even will an got- email address. <laughs> crypto- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it. Don't say <laughs> the emails there. <laughs> uh, all I right.
2: can see Brett's face on a billboard. <laughs>
1: Well, anyway, guys, this was a long time ago. This is back when people could just lose millions of dollars because an exchange went down. That was a long time ago. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. So let's, <laughs> let's it's keep... It's happened twice this week, I think. Yeah, basic. Yep. Oof. Oh, man. Um, what else? I mean, this has been... A lot has happened, right? Uh yeah, I still- see you put here Bitcoin turned 10. I remember that. That was a big deal. We all celebrated. 10 years old. Yep, yep. So I, I was going
0: to go over the quick hits of the last year. First and foremost, we don't talk a ton about price, but to put these two episodes into perspective, at the time of the last episode, we mentioned it, that uh, Bitcoin was around 14000 and today it's around 3500 um, And the Bitcoin dominance was significantly lower then and is much higher now. Uh, what else has happened? We did an entire episode on the Lightning Network. We talked about specifically the Lightning Network. That was implemented, and all of the nodes that keep popping up around that make things a little faster, a little easier for Bitcoin. If you want to learn about the Lightning Network? That is another episode that we did. Pause. You shout out real quick to
2: uh, the Big Cahoon and Lumma Flux, who have actually helped me set up a Lightning Network on my PC. It's it's very interesting.
0: I it's it's a rabbit hole though. I, I recommend it. Segwit usage increased massively, so the the Segwit that was implemented during the Bitcoin Cash uh, split really had an effect on the transaction fees. The Bitcoin supply uh, surpassed 17 million. And remember, there's only going to be 21 million Bitcoins ever released. And there's really like too much to list. But another interesting fact that I found is even though there was a massive bear market, the number of Bitcoin ATMs in the world more than doubled. So there there are paths to mass adoption. We know we've got backed coming soon. We know we have integration with Square Cash like all these little things that are adding up to to bitcoin being more and more useful.
1: Yeah. And I want to point out here just because of we are talking about the crash, I know that this might be like a narrow focus and some people say I'm picking cherry picking here, but it was a crash for in compared to most fiat currencies but there were already fiat systems that bitcoin still beat like if you got your venezuelan peso out or even your turkish lira out and you put it in bitcoin you still outperformed your native currency so it's already beating In some cases, even though it performed poorly this year for
2: us. To touch real quick on the topic of the Bitcoin ATMs, I was listening to a talk by um, Andreas Antonopoulos, and he thought that the, the one thing that's super important for all the ATMs is that they need to be available in many languages because most of the time the the people that are going to be using bitcoin ATMs in the short term, i.e. the next year or two, are way more likely to be international travelers and people that are, you know, that are entrepreneurs or traveling. I think that focusing on the language aspect of that is going to be really interesting. I've actually looked into purchasing bitcoin ATMs. Um I haven't found anything that I particularly liked. But I know there's certainly going to be some ones that are going to be really interesting.
0: Yeah, the first one that I ever found, they took 15% on top of having a pretty big spread. so I, Which meant it was completely useless in any way. And it was more or less a scam. But maybe they have gotten better since then. Hopefully, they've gotten better. Because, yeah, if if you take $100 out of an ATM today and you get charged a $5 fee, that's going to seem pretty ridiculous. But it's only 5%. So...
1: Yeah, but it depends though, Brent, because when there were scenarios where, for example, when we were exchanging money in Thailand that I was able to take a bigger spread than usual for convenience, or for example, in casinos, we know that the ATM and casinos charge like $15 per hundred because they know they can, because you're choosing to look for something in a matter of convenience. So they're going to exploit you. Uh, So I wouldn't go as far as calling it basically a scam because it's hard to turn bitcoin into cash so if this place is doing it anonymously and cheaply like they can charge a premium for that service on i'm not anonymous
0: either you had to take a picture and put your license and stuff
1: oh you have to take a picture and put in your license yeah oh okay (laughs) but but still the point remains you know
0: anyway you're going to use a bitcoin atm
2: Until they're not, right? Like the first ones are going to have higher fees and then all future generations are probably just going to do it slightly better, slightly cheaper. That's just how business
0: works. In in all perfectly competitive markets, eventually the money comes down to next to nothing. So that hopefully there is just more and more competition. So the uh, and then all and they will all have to lower their fees to the point where they are making the minimum that makes sense to keep the business operation going.
1: Alright, what else did we have? Oh, that was the last one, right? ATMs for the history?
0: Yeah, that was that was the quick hits of the history. You know, there were no big hacks. There were no big forks. You know, there, there, were, for, there were Bitcoin cash forks, but nothing nothing on Bitcoin. And <laughs> we, yeah, they, they, they haven't bricked ASICs or anything. So mostly, they've just continued to be the same Bitcoin, except some things change. I guess I'll mention here that on the first episode, we talked about the transaction fees. I was going to save that for features, but the The transaction fees at the time of the last episode, and part of the biggest reason for my chagrin with Bitcoin was that it cost between thirty and forty dollars to send a Bitcoin transaction at the time. So it would, you know, and that was depending on w- w- how fast you wanted it to go through. Shouldn't so- that have
2: been our biggest indication that this was just so massively overpriced of where it was going? I feel like this. And maybe this is just using like results and combining it, but like the network was, it was still just an X number of Bitcoin to send the transaction, right? Like that, that was scaling up as the transactions were all getting full and you were having to increase it just to get them through. But I don't know. I feel like it's because the price was shooting up so quickly in like such a short period of time, I feel like be- the transaction fees were blowing up even faster for two reasons because of the increased number of transactions and because the unreasonable amount of dollar increase.
1: Yeah. Yes. But that, that would have like been, an infrastructure problem. Yeah. You know, if there was enough throughput, then the the transaction fees would have been affordable.
0: Basically. Yeah. To, at the time, the, the analysis that us and almost everybody else had was that the, the fees are too high because the because the team didn't upgrade their block size. And now we're seeing the problem when the network is being tested. And Lightning hadn't been really adopted too much at that point. SegWit was still at a much lower level. Um, if the same amount of transactions happened today, we wouldn't be looking at anywhere near that high of a fee. We would, At the same price point, we would be looking at something like a dollar or two. Whereas most of the time now you can send a Bitcoin transaction for less than fifty cents. So, you know, not they're still slow-ish, but they're not expensive anymore. Anyway, that was that was a little preview of that. I'll talk more about that in the features and structures. But
1: all right, Brent, so let's go to the rapid fire section. We'll do this as a traditional rapid fire, just well, for anybody. It's
0: changed since that episode too. Like we don't use all of the same rapid fire questions that we used in that one. So, all
1: right. So, new rapid fire Brent. Question number one is Bitcoin a coin, token, or platform?
0: Well, Kareem, it's called Bitcoin, so it is a coin. Rapid mm-hmm. fire Brent.
1: <laughs> yes. And the correct answer is it's the coin. We're looking for the coin. So, oh. all right. Number two is it decentralized? Yes and no. Hmm, incorrect. <sighs> we were looking for so so. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yes and no. Explain.
0: So basically, the the reason for the yes is we still have the mining pool centralization that hasn't changed, and also the network is now reliant on off chain solutions like Segwit and Lightning Network, which were both developed by the same core group of developers over at um, Lightning Labs or Bitmain. I, I don't uh, somebody they, they wait who it's not Bitmain. Who is the uh, it's Blockstream. Blockstream. Yes, Lightning Labs is part of Blockstream. So yes, Blockstream is the the scary centralizationing elephant in the room. Currently, they seem to be doing what they believe is best. Seems to be working, but it's important to note that very few groups can control the outcome of the Bitcoin code. There mm-hmm. are just a few mining pools that could swing the vote in either direction and again reliant on Blockstream updating those lightning and segwit uh pieces
1: okay can it
0: be mined or yeah, state well yes it's this is a proof of work coin it is mined
1: and is the mainnet live <laughs> i told you these
0: have changed a little bit since we got into the
1: <laughs> is the mainnet live for bitcoin no, does bitcoin live. have a mainnet
0: yeah mainnet's live on bitcoin
1: oh that's good that's good <laughs>
0: i also have downloaded the testnet <laughs>
1: All right, and for the first time in crypto basic history, I think we're going to have unanimous agreement. Does it sound cool?
0: Yes, Bitcoin sounds cool. Bitcoin yeah, are the best branding of all the crypto. You Not finally
1: close. got this one right, right. You finally <laughs> got this Bitcoin one.
0: has been Has there been a single one we've agreed upon? I don't know yeah, that. I mean, Maybe
1: by accident here and there. Yeah. <laughs> I think we liked well, I think we all like to Neo.
0: Yeah, here's the thing about Bitcoin's branding. It is so strong that one of the things we said on that episode was that if Bitcoin was any other coin and we went through and did an entire one on one on the coin, we would be talking about how shitty it is by the end of the episode. Um, That is not and we're and we're not going to say the same thing here. But because it was Bitcoin, we were not saying this is a shit coin. We're like, no, no, and and we gave it all the benefit of the doubt that it needed and that is strictly based on the branding and based on the, the the fact that it is it has the strongest network behind it
1: so. Oh, 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 it's just because of branding and well, the strongest no, network around. The, <laughs> like, it has
0: the strongest network because of the branding, though. Like no, the, I know,
1: but that's like saying, uh, you know, you just like that team because of their uniforms and the fact that they have the best defense in the league. Like, yeah, OK, <laughs> one of those is substantial and the other one is not. However, no, but there's a big Bitcoin difference. does sound very
0: these coins weren't named and only their features were presented and then you had to decide from scratch which ones you were going to mine bitcoin so would not so maybe be
1: maybe that's more of an indicator that listing features is not the most effective way to rate cryptocurrencies and not an indicator that bitcoin's a shitty project
0: but no nobody said it was an indicator that it was a shitty project
1: no 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 i know but i'm saying like you, you if you don't get enough information like when you're just listing features we would also list the amount of nodes in the network, the amount of transactions, the amount of hash power that's directed at the network. All of those things would be part of the features. And there's no way that we would list those out and conclude that this project was just an average. Yes. You know, anyway. So features and structure. We agree it's the strongest branding in cryptocurrency. Yes, Let's it is. Let's get into the features and structure.
0: Is the strongest branding in cryptocurrency. All right. So I already talked about <laughs> the the average transaction fees changing um, the transactions now are faster than they were back back when we did this last episode. Check out again our show on the Lightning Network to see how that happens because that was a long show to kind of explain that concept. But uh, the the end result is that the coins are moving quicker. Um, we Brent. we. D-
1: if I remember correctly, you specifically said that your opinion to your credit, you said your opinion would change if the fees change and the speed change. Yes. And basically both of those changed and your outcome, uh, your outlook of Bitcoin started to improve, right? Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, and, and at the time in the episode, I very specifically talked about how it was 0% of my portfolio. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of funny. I don't know what percentage it is now, but it's it's significantly more than 0 <laughs> <laughs> they, we we specifically even said we don't think Bitcoin will be part of the far future. Although uh, again, Kareem was disagreeing with us. Uh, the uh, Mike and I said that, and I've
2: come a long ways on that topic. I, I would say that I think um, Bitcoin is, in my personal opinion, stronger than it's ever been. Um, but just I want to touch back on something real quick. When you were talking about the speed of the network, I did a transaction from my square cash app to my zap wallet, which is the lightning network wallet. And from the time I, I hit send on my phone and put my phone down and looked at my screen, the transaction arrived.
0: Yeah. And to me, that was like, Whoa, if it goes through the lightning network, it does what it says. Lightning. What so even though Kareem disagreed with us when we were talking about the, the reasons why Bitcoin is probably not going to be part of the future of crypto, uh, the biggest thing that he was saying is, look, guys, you need to give it time. Like, it is going to change. The code is going to change. The miners are going to update it. It is going to imp- implement new features. It just isn't doing it as quickly. And which is yes and no, because they implemented side or off chain solutions, but they did not implement new changes to the actual core code that were overarching and really big. I'm sure they've made tweaks here and there that we didn't even learn <laughs> about. At the same time, I vehemently disagree with our older selves about Bitcoin not being part of the future. And I'm sure we're going to get this wrong. I'm sure in three years we're going to do a one Oh three. And we're going to look back at this and be like, God, how did we like flip flop on that? And now Bitcoin's not good, but no, like there, I don't see a future in crypto where Bitcoin isn't part of the conversation anymore because I've seen all like we saw basically as bad as it could get. Right. We saw it being impossible to use expensive to use slow And its dominance is higher than it's ever been. So Bitcoin is not going anywhere. We've seen a lot of 51% attacks on other networks. That can't happen to Bitcoin. We've seen other networks backing up their entire blockchain on the Bitcoin blockchain because they see the security as the most important thing. The network is what is going to keep these coins alive. And we, I misunderstood, I not misunderstood, but I misinterpreted and did not, put a high enough significance on the network effect at the time of the last recording.
2: And listen, like I I really appreciated one of the things you said in there about how down the line, we're going to look back at this episode and laugh at how much we got wrong because realistically, anytime that we're learning and discussing things, you're wrong about a lot of things and it's okay. It's not, a that's not that big a deal. We're here discussing this show. We, we are learning a lot. And I'm very proud this show has kept on as strong as it has. I enjoy getting together with you guys and talking about life and crypto and making jokes. It's super important to stay critical of yourself and all of your thought process in life. And that's one of my favorite things I've learned from this show.
1: Yeah. And, uh, Brent, this is a, this is another example when we're talking about the network that really is like you said, one of the things that makes Bitcoin so strong, and the fact that I was emphasizing changes in the code shows my lack of imagination, because what we're really talking about is the fact that Bitcoin itself as a network has the ability to evolve. And maybe that evolution comes in the form of sidechains. Maybe it comes in the form of code change. Maybe it comes in the form of hardware change. Maybe it's just really difficult to foresee the new innovations that people will make. But the bottom line is that as problems continue to arise, Bitcoin is going to have one of the strongest networks working together to try to solve those problems. And it'll continue to be in the picture. And as we've done this podcast, uh, in the same way that we say this about Ethereum, I think one of the realizations for me about Bitcoin is that it's not just about the faith that gets put into Bitcoin. But as you start learning about all these other projects, there's so much infrastructure built around Bitcoin, like you said, and that, you know, entire blockchains being backed up with it. Until it like. It's just a more complex and deeper network than people realize. And I agree. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm.
0: Now now that we are more in agreement on that, past that, we did, we did try to explain what blockchain was kind of from the beginning. I don't think we did a great job on it, mostly because if you don't understand blockchain, you need a visual. Um, we do point to that video that does a very good job. I don't remember the name of it, but... Uh, we'll make sure it's in the show notes this time. So if you want to know specifically how blockchain works, we'll have a video that shows that breaks it down really well. The the key points for me, if I'm just giving you the, the bird's eye view of how a blockchain works, it's a ledger, which means it's a list of transactions that is updated and distributed among many different computers, nodes, people, places. Um, you aren't able to trick the system into double spending because it's secured very well. And the miners are always trying to figure out the next very complex number with their computing power. And they can only find it if there's tons of people working on it together because it's a really hard number to crack. You have to just guess. And finally, the Bitcoin itself is the longest chain with the most proof of work. So that's why uh, Bitcoin and all the others are called proof of work. And the work is finding those numbers and updating the transactions. So – um, you know, there there will be people that will claim Bitcoin Cash is the real Bitcoin, uh, or they'll they'll claim that Bitcoin is the real Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, boy, some stupid scam coin that apparently Steven Seagal was involved in. I don't really know, but it broke into the top one hundred, and I looked, I looked at it and laughed to, recently. And uh, where was I going with that?
2: I, I th- all right, so I want to add something. I feel like. The, the one little detail that it sticks out to me that maybe was, was overlooked in your little explanation there was, was the ability for Bitcoin to solve the Byzantine generals problem and allow untrusted parties to be able to conduct commerce in a trusted manner. And, you know, that it, we can get into the, the, the actual reasons why that is if you guys want to. But to me, that was the game changer for Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, that I mean, that's what they, they created that system as because people respond to incentives. The reason these exchanges keep scamming people out of their money is because they can like they they have this great company that's making the money, but they're like, man, I could just fake my death and take this hundred ninety million dollars and nobody could stop me. And and then they do it. So that isn't a possibility on a network that's secured like bitcoin is using blockchain the way it is. So regardless of how cryptocurrency goes for the rest of life, I don't think we we're we're going to be seeing a lot more blockchain projects maybe that are not decentralized like bitcoin is but that are used at least as databases or something similar like like micro uh, not microsoft um uh, IBM has their hyperledger project and they've been messing around with that blockchain technology for a while, implementing it in business solutions. Um, We are blockchain is, is here to stay Bitcoin price. No idea what's going to happen with that, but it was a really great proof of concept. Definitely check the show notes. If you want to know more about how exactly the blockchain system will work and why it works and why it is uh, immutable and why Bitcoin is Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash is not Bitcoin.
1: (laughs) all right uh before we move on yeah a
0: little bit more i wanted to talk about i forgot about this we got on a little tangent there we we mentioned the difference between public and private keys in that episode and we also talk about that in the wallets 101 episode which is just me bsing about wallets but the i wanted to to one more time harp on this and we've said it a million times but we're in bitcoin's episode the original public and private key providers And your public key is that address that you can give to somebody to send you Bitcoin. The private key is yours alone. You should never give it to anybody. That is what you use to access your own Bitcoin. If you do not have the private key to your Bitcoin, it is not yours. It is not yours by any legal method. It is not yours by any uh, logistical method. And right now, during this episode, the Quadriga CX thing is blowing up because the guy ran the site apparently had access to all. only he had access to the private keys for all the money they were holding and he fake he died but probably faked his death and it because the money is still moving around that he has the private keys to so that if you put your trust in an exchange you have to realize that this is a possibility and you know cryptopia went down a couple of weeks ago like the you you're still trusting a third party with your money and you're it, it's a little bit different than trusting a bank Banks are FDIC insured in the United States. Banks are deemed too big to fail, and they're going to bail them out when they get into a shitty spot, anyways. Banks are scummy. Banks are scammy. I trust a bank more than I trust a non-binance or non-coinbase cryptocurrency exchange. Right. <laughs> um, and
1: reading the Reddit comments was eye-opening because a lot of the redditors there were saying, "It this is a Canadian exchange, and it wasn't like some shady rinky-dink." It was, that was like- their biggest exchange. They're like, yeah, this is like if Coinbase went nuts and it's like, oh, snap. Our, our good friend
2: Alex is Canadian. And I remember when um, he and Sasha were first getting into crypto, he had a tremendous amount of time getting access to uh, a fiat to crypto exchange and oftentimes was, was only able to buy and sell over the counter. I think he did have an account with Quadriga and I hope he didn't have any funds on there. But, you know, there's lots of people that this was their best option.
0: We're going to talk about that a lot on the flagship. Like I have a, I have the whole, I've watched, I've gone down 15 rabbit holes on that already to just learn about what is going on. And there Good, is I some wanna hear
1: that. really
0: Good. interesting nuance that is like, at first when I heard about this, I was like, come on, Reddit, he didn't fake his death. No, motherfucker faked his death. Like is, that's what happened. And like, there is some real shady stuff going on on top of all that. But anyway, point of this without that tangent is if it's not your private key, it is not your Bitcoin.
2: Remember, guys, we've we've talked about this a lot, man. Like remember when we've discussed the points of failures for an ICO or a business or a small company? Remember we've talked about things like, I don't know, think strange things can happen. There are so many projects and we see so many unique failures, exit scams, whatever. CEO randomly faking his death and stealing 190 millions is not something anybody could have predicted, right? right. But it, it is certainly part of this risk intelligence that you need.
1: Yeah. And by the way, this is purely – I haven't done, gone down the rabbit hole. I really want to – all I saw was that like it was in India and, and I guess you could – I mean you mentioned that that, that it was uh, easy to get something there. But it makes me think that this guy was scamming on along going back to the festival that we keep bringing up that documentary, ah. like in in the sense that like you get pressured into it because if you really are like, why would CZ do that? Like if you're a baller and you have a ton of money and you're the CEO of an exchange, are you really going to like risk the rest of your life so that you can go from like a $10 million net worth to a $100 million net worth that you can't enjoy? Just makes me think that like it was already getting ready to crumble or something. Yeah. Or maybe
2: there's like 5 million of 190 million left, right? <laughs> that, and he's there is, That I'm is saying? a
0: distinct possibility. There are people yeah, who it's... believe that as well. Oh, So they, they think that like... So his he's... only out might be just to get out of Dodge with whatever he's got left. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. So exit scams 101. Let's keep moving. Oh, no. This is Bitcoin 101. 102. <laughs> 102. Guys went on the wrong episode. Yeah, we're screwing that up. Let's talk about the governance of Quadriga. Go ahead, Brent. Actions <laughs> on you.
0: <laughs> so I, I wanted to mention governance because that wasn't a section when we did the 101 on Bitcoin. We, we added that fairly recently. So most of these, when we look back on them. We'll probably talk about the, the governance. Um, the governance on Bitcoin is as rudimentary as it gets. Uh, there is a there is a code proposal, and you're you as a node, you can either accept that code or continue to mine the old the old chain, and that is how we end up with forks or not forks. And I will say that for the most part, my guess is when there is a divisive issue, it will not go through on the Bitcoin network because. The uh, I think it was Jeremy was saying this and, and I kind of agreed with it. I never did any real research on it, but he said that as systems get larger, they get more conservative by nature because they have to. There's so many more things that get affected if they make a change. So if Bitcoin changes it, it affects every piece of the crypto space ground up. Um, so they have a really hard incentive to stay the way that they are which does stifle innovation to an extent. So the governance on Bitcoin and especially we've seen a lot of the different uh, governance issues between even just our elections in the United States, but Bitcoin versus whether they should raise the block size or not. Bitcoin Cash having Bitcoin Cash SV and Bitcoin Cash ABC. They have that split. So when one group of people says, wait, I thought it was supposed to be this way. And another group of people says, yeah, but this way is better. And they run into each other. There can be problems. So that's why Bitcoin's governance is mostly rudimentary. There's nothing on chain about it. It's just yes or no.
2: And fundamentally, though, this is exactly how Bitcoin is evolving and every every participant in this network is welcome to have their own voice and do it their own way. And, and if you want to do it better, you're welcome to. And and I, I think eventually all of the network that goes off and does it their own way. I, I've had this kind of thought that, a lot of these projects are going to end up taking certain number of developers out of the, out of the Bitcoin network and certain amount of people out of the space. But then a lot of those projects are going to fail. And I see those, those developers are then going to move back into other projects potentially with this type of crash that we had in 2018. I'm interested to see, you know, I think Ethereum is a great example. They're probably going to pick up some great free agents, I would imagine, of like people that are working for other things that they, they wanted to do a passion project, but they weren't Business ready, they weren't technically ready. Uh, you know, I just feel like there should be a lot of regrouping, reorganizing uh, at the top of, you know, the blockchain space. And that creates more solid, you know, groundwork for the future, in my opinion.
1: Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up, Brent, when you're talking about, um, The lack of innovation that Bitcoin experiences, it could be a good thing or a bad thing also dependent on the direction that you think Bitcoin is going to go. I think it's pretty clear that from the perspective of, let's say, the quote unquote Satoshi, this is digital cash perspective. Uh, It's probably bad that you can't innovate because there's still a lot of things that are going to need to happen for a cryptocurrency to work well as cash. But if you see this other role that Bitcoin is developing for itself, where it's becoming like digital gold, that a lot of people try to make that analogy. Um, If we take that analogy, that path, Bitcoin becomes the digital goal. It's the gold of cryptocurrency. Then a super slow conservative system that barely changes is actually perfect for that role, right? So- It's it depends. It's hard to even tell if it's a positive or a negative because it's hard to even tell what Bitcoin is evolving to or what role it's going to take.
0: Yep. I I agree wholeheartedly. We we have I have made I'm saying we like it was you, but it wasn't. Uh, I made I made the mistake of thinking that I understood that because I look at things in life and I'm like, well, why would anybody play the crappier game when they can play the better game? And in my mind, crappier game is this better game is this. That might not be true. So the fact that Bitcoin, we know what it is. We know that it's code works. We know there's no exploits. We know there's no like every time you change and you don't get a massive amount of eyes on that change and peer review and everything like that. Then you find that like the guy who locked up all the money on Ethereum or you'll see the different 51% attacks or you'll see different ways of going about trying to bring down a coin. Bitcoin doesn't have those vulnerabilities right now because, especially because it's not changing. So, when it changes, it all of a sudden becomes more vulnerable to attacks like that.
1: So, that's that's why it becomes good. Hearing you say that makes me really think about the value of Bitcoin coming from confidence. If we think about like confidence in this space and Bitcoin, therefore providing the largest percentage of confidence that. Like you said, you know what it is. It's unexploitable. You know exactly how it's done. You know that it can't be changed overnight. You know that there's not, uh, you know, money that could just disappear. Like you know what it is, and it's giving you solid foundation off of which to exist in the space. And yep. I think that that's. That's an interesting. Role. And I think it's
2: super important for anybody to start with Bitcoin and you learn the nuances of it. And it's, in my opinion, one of the simplest of all the, all the cryptos out there. And if you, you need to like pass this level of education, in my opinion, in order to even be concerned about the rest of it. And, and listen, there's plenty of our friends that still are not very big into Bitcoin. They think other things are better and that's fine. You know, all, all of them can form their own opinions. But I think, you know, as far as mass adoption goes, I, I still think it's important for us and, and other news sources to understand that Bitcoin needs to be the stepping stone, in my opinion. And it's most likely the best way to teach people what this digital future is going to look like.
1: Well, Mike, if somebody asked me, is Bitcoin the best? I would probably say to them, you need to make a list of pros and cons first. (laughs) Right? So why don't we do that and compare it to the list of pros and cons we did a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away?
0: We did a real shitty job on the pros and cons on that episode. We listed exactly three total pros for Bitcoin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was number one, it's Bitcoin. (laughs) Number
0: two, it's not Bitcoin Cash. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we so here's what we said. It's the longest running ledger that's been through so much and it's still running. It has a huge market cap compared to the other coins, and it's paired with the other coins for trading, mostly. Now, I agree that all of those are still pros of the Bitcoin network. They are not all of the pros of the Bitcoin network. That is not a very good picture of summing it up. And like we just said, we underestimated the network at the time. We, we collectively, minus Kareem, underestimated the network (laughs) behind the Bitcoin at the time after seeing 51% attacks succeed on other coins. That really is the most important part, the biggest pro for Bitcoin, the biggest. Yes, we want this no matter what the other trade-offs are. The Bitcoin the the branding, the Bitcoin being the pretty much ubiquitous term. It is interchangeable with blockchain. When you say Bitcoin, you are talking about blockchain. You are talking about distributed ledger technology. It is the Kleenex. It is the uh Coca-Cola. I was going to yeah, use Kleenex as an example. <laughs> that was the first thing that came you, in my head. That's weird. You did. Bitcoin On that attention. episode you did in fact oh, really? used it. Yes. The other one so, was Oreos I was gonna use. Oh uh, yeah, back. you didn't use Oreos then. Damn. And uh, didn't you lose much weight? How you still think about Oreos? Get out of here. I so, mean, it's it's a name of a cookie that is
2: an entire brand of cookies, right? It's like
1: now I'm thinking oh. about Oreos. Yeah, you guys want Oreos? <laughs> <laughs> I, was Oreos I, do, I do.
2: What's your favorite Oreo?
1: No, keep going. Are they no. paying us for this?
0: <laughs> yeah, this is this Not episode. Yet. Sponsored the by Mike,
1: white chocolate covered Christmas once. <laughs>
0: I, I haven't had, had,
1: those. had those. The oh peanut
2: butter ones are fire.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are all good right, too. All right, all right. And double stuff. Double stuff. Classic double stuff dipped in. Milk. Nah,
0: not a fan. Oof. Overrated. Oof.
1: All right. Pros and cons. Brank, go ahead. We're still going. The,
0: the development team behind behind Bitcoin, is especially Bitcoin Core, has to be a pro. They've been working on this for so long. So they, they really understand what's going on. Less likely to make a mistake. More likely to, to create something cool the lightning network is a huge pro even though it's a point of centralization it really is so much faster and makes makes bitcoin so much more usable um another pro has to be the relatively stable price as far as obviously nothing has been stable over the last year but bitcoin has been significantly more stable than the other options making it a better store of value as as we've said so
2: yeah, I, I'm curious on your guys' opinion of this. Uh, my, my kind of response to that is I believe the traders may refer to this as a bottom. And if there's any truth to that, I'm not asking for trading advice. I'm not trying to go down that route. However, um, there has to be some kind of axis where the price is getting to the point where everybody's like, well, I mean, I'm going to keep getting more. I'm going to like, it, that there has to be a support like from a literal sense not necessarily from the trading term sense but like what do you think that all means
0: is is there anything here am I looking too deep i I would have no idea what a support looks like legitimately um i've I've been watching you know the different crypto pundits everyone's called the bottom. All the way down. I mean, they've called it at ten thousand. They called it at eight thousand. They called it at six thousand. Six thousand was supposed to be that big. Oh my god! If it ever falls below here, it's the end. They called it at four thousand. They called it at thirty eight hundred, thirty five hundred, thirty two hundred. Like they've called it all the way down. And I don't. Well, I'm I only no looking idea. in
2: retrospect
0: here, because yeah. like
2: now we can say, okay, it, it. I agree with this bullet point, and I'm a little surprised that this was your opinion, but I agree with it. That it has been mostly stable ish compare at least compared to itself, and I'm wondering if like do you think that that has to do with like the people that are here we just like aren't selling or aren't putting downward pressure on the price, or maybe we're we're also the ones that are like adding more fiat in to kind of keep it going.
1: It's multifactorial, Mike. Yeah, yeah it's there's mu- a lot. Of ev- everything that you mentioned, it's a combination of unpredictable, like millions of people with differing economic circumstances. That's why it's so unpredictable. That's why prices move in that random walk theory. And even more so in this space than in the stock market, where the stock market could be completely delusional at times, but at least there's underlying numbers of sales and value and stuff like that here. It's almost completely made up. That's why some people even think it's a scam. They don't understand it, but it's so abstract. We don't know. I mean, yeah, it's been stable. Could news break tomorrow that make it feel totally unstable and crash further? Yes. Could they not? Yes. Could to stay like this for another? We saw the last crash after Mount Gox. That was pretty stable for a long time before it started climbing back up. So does that mean that the market's closer to like the majority of people that are probably not going to move for a while? Yeah, probably. But can we pinpoint it to one reason, or do is there any confidence that it's a bottom? I I doubt it. I, I guess think it's so. Random.
2: More so, the point that I was trying to make—I I probably wasn't very clear about this. I think it's just interesting to look at in hindsight where we've gone. Not necessarily trying to use it to predict the future, but I just think that it's interesting that this level has kind of been where we've hung out for a while.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how long we've been here, but thirty five hundred has been basically what I think about Bitcoin in my head for for quite a while. So,
1: I mean, quite a while in. <laughs> In crypto years. Terms. In relative yeah, terms. in months. In,
0: in months. Months don't How um, many like crypto years is months? That's like five years. I, okay.
1: Crypto years is a fun description, but at the end of the day, it's just a couple of months. And Time the is a construct, are, Kareem. Yeah, sure. But listen, the people who are buying and selling cryptocurrency don't exist in artificial constructs. They exist in the real world, and they have quarterly sales and incomes and jobs, and they have business cycles and non-business cycles, disposable income, disposable income. They have bills and debts. They're real people. It's only been a few months. This doesn't tell us anything about the market. We have no fucking clue. It's nothing. Yeah. It's a it's a pipsqueak. It's like you guys know about sample size. The sample size right now is literally irrelevant.
0: Who are you calling a pipsqueak? Pipsqueak.
1: Hey, take it easy there, you big potato. Okay. Uh um, all right. Final final pro
0: was oh, final immutability. Pro. We never we didn't get quite down to there, but there's been nothing that challenges the immutability of Bitcoin. There's been no uh, rolling back the network or anything like that, mm-hmm. so they their code has been completely immutable. Um, there wasn't
1: a hey, we hacked it, so now let's just go back in time. Yeah, and fix or, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So onto the cons. Now here's what we said. And uh, first of all, I the cons was all like me. I was like, oh, I want to do the cons. I want to do the cons. I was like so excited to say bad stuff about Bitcoin. I have no idea why. Um, you I just did, like being. You like being the not uh, for Brazil, yeah. <laughs> no, not it's uh.
2: What's the word I'm looking for where you just want to be different? Contrarian. That word. That's the word. You just you value contrarian in your life. Wait, well, you just value it a lot. I don't know.
0: If yeah, especially if I have what I feel is a good position. But anyway, I did say I was willing to switch positions specifically if the transaction fees got better. Um, I did say that I was being too harsh on Bitcoin specifically to provide that like voice of reason almost. Um, Devil's advocate. Yes. So uh here's here's what we had listed as the cons. The transaction fees. The political back and forth, uh, how slow it was. You could even wait days. The power consumption that is needed to mine—that uh, it's not quantum proof, and uh, and if it were any other coin, it would be thought of as a bad coin. The only ones of those that I think are still accurate are the political back and forth, like that we've just talked about. The power consumption is still going to to be a problem. The power of a small country is required to mine Bitcoin. And the quantum computer proof, yeah, I'm going to keep including that because it's not necessarily inaccurate, but most coins have that same problem. So it's – and we don't know what a and, quantum
2: computer is going to look like.
0: banks have that problem too, right? Like
2: quantum computing
0: could really disrupt the entire world, not just the crypto world.
1: That's actually a pretty good point.
0: Yeah. It'll be real easy to hack people's passwords of password1234. Yeah,
1: if you break SHA-256 – You're breaking more than just Bitcoin. That's the end of the story. (laughs) Like you're breaking a lot of shit. Good point. Yep.
0: Uh, some Some of the new cons that I would add in there, and these are just a little bit more specific. During times of high demand, like we had back when this last episode was happening, if you didn't understand how to adapt to the fees, you could be waiting a long time for that transaction to go through and end up really like freaking out, hating Bitcoin, hating yourself for making this choice. And it could really turn off a lot of new people to the space. I don't
2: think there's ever gonna be a point where most people are gonna to need to know about adjusting mining costs for their transactions. I think by the time this gets more and more mass adoption, that's gonna be more and more automated or easier or processed on sidechains or whatever exactly. Yeah, it could just be built into whatever
0: third party thing you're using. Yeah. Um hope- and hopefully it continues to go that way. Things like Square Cash or or things like um like Coinbase and stuff, just make it easier. And they built in that fee to go with it. And also the reliance on the centralized off-chain options is concerning because they are, you have to now rely on Blockstream to update those off-chain solutions correctly and not make a big mistake on the way in. And there's no yes or no on updating those Lightning Network nodes. You just have to trust that those updates are fine. So
2: they're not going to accidentally fork their code or anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, they can't. They're, they're just, you know, maybe they put something in there that that the most Bitcoin doesn't like, but you can't get away from them once they're you would have to go tell everybody who's running a lightning network node to stop. If I understand it right. I mean, maybe I don't. But and and I'm sure a listener will point out that I'm wrong or something on that. But more centralization in my mind is not necessarily better, um, although it can be in the short term. We've seen that centralization can make things move faster. So that's it. That was the the summation of the pros and cons in a much better way.
1: Fantastic. And now, of course, we always say, Brent, where could our listeners buy this coin, this Bitcoin that you speak of? Obviously, you can get
0: Bitcoin everywhere. uh, And I want to clarify a couple of things that we said as far as the purchasing. On that episode, we talked about how if you're using Coinbase, you should be using GDAX instead. Obviously, that doesn't matter anymore because GDAX doesn't exist. Now it's Coinbase and Coinbase Pro. So Coinbase Pro has less fees as far as acquiring uh, Bitcoin. So use that if you want to acquire it that way. Also, we said that you basically had to have Bitcoin to acquire any of the other altcoins. That has become less and less true. You can do it with Ethereum. You can do it with, on some exchanges, just NEO. You can do it on some exchanges with just NANO. You can do it on some exchanges with just Cardano. So it depends. You... If you want the highest volume and therefore the lowest spread and the best price, you're still probably looking at Bitcoin, but it is not a requirement to acquire those other distributed ledger technology assets anymore. It wasn't it was even a full requirement then, but it was more so a requirement then. That's it. But since I've spent most of this episode just BSing, I want to get this from you guys. We did not have the personal future outlook on that episode. We hadn't included that section yet. So rather than me saying it, Let's go with the two of you. Kareem, what's your personal future outlook on Bitcoin?
1: Okay. Uh, my personal future outlook on Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is going to remain the dominant cryptocurrency for at least the following... I'll go semi-analy, and I'll say three to four years. Um I do think that in the long term, it's going to be overtaken by projects that are trying to do more things. Uh, I think that like ultimately computing and information processing and actually, there's some really ambitious stuff out there. And I think that whichever one of those succeeds is going to supplant Bitcoin because Bitcoin's trying to do less and be less. And therefore, if it succeeds, it should have a smaller role than some of the other things. Uh, but I think it's going to be in the history books forever. I think that it's going to be a functioning gold-like digital asset well into the future. And I think that 10 years down the, ro- down the line, it's still the top 10 major cap cryptocurrency.
0: What about you, Mike?
2: Um, I'm going to have a very similar positive uh, personal future outlook. I was... Not expecting this to be my, you know, definition a while back, as we mentioned earlier. Bitcoin to me is overcoming challenges that I didn't expect. It is overcoming adversity in ways that I didn't necessarily understand it was capable of. I appreciate how much the network is growing. I appreciate how much the technology is, is focusing and how there's so many ways it can improve the world. It just needs the time to do so. And it needs the people to speak about it. It needs people like us. To discuss it on a open podcast, so we can you know h- help educate others as to what it is. You know, this is the role that we've chosen to take because we believe in the future of this. I see Bitcoin itself as very, very strong. At least, like Kareem, Kareem said, three to four years. Um, I'm willing to go like four to six years. I think it's going to stay fairly strong. Ooh, my and crisis. I think that what's that? Uh, I said you raised. I've, I've always dream. been more aggressive than Kareem. That's <laughs> without without question. Listen, I I think, you know, I use this analogy on the PayPod podcast, which I'm not sure if that episode was released yet. I, I haven't checked with them, but it is the train tracks for this commerce, this international commerce where anybody can transact with anybody anywhere without any point of authority. And like, what can we do with this technology? I have no idea. There's so many innovative ways to use it. That it needs time. And I think that we're still so early. I didn't realize how early we were. And the more I learned, the more I realized there's a lot that we need to improve as, you know, a sector of this world. So personally, for me, I love Bitcoin. I love it more than I did in a percentage basis compared to the whole crypto space and truly think it's going to be a big part of the future.
1: Brent, you want to share yours with ours or?
0: No, I'm just going to be echoing a lot of what you guys are saying. Uh, we're we are significantly more in line now than we than we were then. I'm not taking the hot take. I don't think that Bitcoin's going to be surpassed anytime soon as the number one coin. Uh, old Brent is an asshole. New Brent <laughs> is also an asshole, but he's not going to be wrong about Bitcoin this time.
2: Slightly less of an asshole though, right? That's all we're looking for. I'm still an asshole, but I'm trying to be slightly less of an asshole
0: than I was last year, and that's yeah, that's what life is. I mean, and you're legitimately like are way less of an asshole. Just in I'm about mass. 100
2: pounds less of an asshole right now.
0: <laughs> By the way,
2: losing a lot of weight is very cold in the winter. I had no idea. Like, how do you people stay warm? I don't understand. I'm literally. <laughs> uh, so cold sweaters all the time. And blankets. I wore like five layers, five or six layers the other day. And it was just like unprecedented. And I was still cold.
1: All right. So, Brent, let us get the most important section. Some funny stuff you found.
0: I just kept writing down like things that I thought were funny just because we're a year further into podcasting and we were there were some things we didn't know we had so many weird awkward pauses that didn't get edited out I don't know if we were editing the episodes at the time I think we were so we just sucked at editing this episode I mean it was like real bad Mike made significantly more comparisons to like cookies and things than we're used to. He's always going to do them and he does them at least every episode. But this was like every section got its own comparison. It was it was interesting. <laughs> and I was like, man,
2: another one really Bitcoin is so hard to explain. And and I feel like the best way for me to, to break it down to people with abstract concepts is to find a way that makes sense to them, like find some part of their brain that's connected to this story and, and help
0: them form it. Yeah, our transitions were super awkward, and Kareem was sick, so he was like, he was sniffling the whole time. Mike mentioned KuCoin like an awkward amount of times. I guess that was like right when you had found out about KuCoin, so you were like, you know, the top exchanges like Bitrix, Coinbase, KuCoin. And I was like, what? So that was like that was like before we decided. It was, that it was probably, to me. It was a it was a big exchange to me. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know better. We decided against like talking about them. Um, they had so many altcoins, bro. Yeah. Uh, I had 0% of my portfolio dedicated Bitcoin at the time. I thought that was hilarious, but I predicted Bitcoin would not be the number one in market cap at the time, which at the end of the episode, Kareem was like, that's not going to happen. It's not going to come true, Brett's wrong. And it was very specific. <laughs> we bragged about our 100 downloads per episode at the, at the time. Now, given that was one of our early episodes. So the fact that we got to hundred downloads that quickly was really impressive to us. But, yeah, we, it, we would be on Suicide Watch if that's what our uh, downloads were today. So that is still – What is it, our downloads awesome today? I don't even have – Perception changes. I, if we release an episode on a day, we get, we'll get like 1,000 or 1,500 downloads that day, and then it goes from there. So, And it was higher at one point, like when we were in the middle of the uh, – or, or not even – like we were never really in the middle of the, bear, of the bull market, but closer to the middle of the episode, we were – or middle of our time, we were getting more than that. So – now we kind of follow the market. Uh, I said on the episode we were going, I was like, yeah, you know, like if you put your money in Bitcoin, you're probably not going to lose money or something like that. I, <laughs> I was totally messed you up. You lost a lot less than other crypto, but uh, yeah, this is not true. financial advice, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we had that disclaimer then. All right, that's it. Those are, those are just some of the funny things that I found. So
1: I think the real lesson there is that this year has confirmed our intuition that we didn't know anything. <laughs> yes.
0: And I think for future years, will continue to confirm that we are idiots.
1: Oh, man. Well, idiots doing our best.
0: All right. Just trying one day at a time. Let's
2: learn along with you guys. Let's let the audience, you know, crowdsource our research and help us point us out when we're wrong. We're happy to admit it, but we're just going to keep grinding.
1: Yeah. Oh, and last thing, I would do want to do a quick shout out to my friend Satoshi Nakamoto for inventing the space and this coin.
0: Just call Great. him who he is. Great
1: work. Greg,
2: absolutely not Refuse. <sighs>
1: All righty, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it here in this Bitcoin Rewind Replay Wrap-Up 102. Brent will decide the name. He gets all the executive power here. It's a dictatorship. However, we would like to remind you before you go and buy all the Bitcoin that we are not financial advisors. As a matter of fact, we are just a couple of guys talking Bitcoin and all investments have inherent risk. Uh, any party words, Jim, before I sign you off?
2: Nope. Uh, another fun year. Looking forward to Bitcoin 103. Oh, fantastic.
0: Yep. I I wholly d- I, I denounced the dictator moniker that was just placed on me. Not true. Not true. I he's feel not a like dictator. the listeners would agree.
1: <laughs> All right. He's, he's appealing to the masses. He's trying to inspire a revolt. All right. Here we go. It's a coup at the Crypto Basic Podcast. <laughs> All right. But I was here with brent philbin michael locky my name is graham thank you so much for listening and see you next week